Peace and welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Season four of Artistry is powered by Words, Beats, and Life. Peace. Peace. Peace and welcome to Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Peace. What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday, folks. So, um, if you are joining us for the very first time, we are Artistry, the Artistry podcast, where we interview uh, visual artists, performing artists, arts administrators, creative entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, and we talk to them and we discuss with them their creative journey. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a returning, if you are a returning supporter, sponsor, participant, we welcome you back. Yeah. Uh, today's guest is our. Us. <laughs> so what we're doing right now, we're doing uh, like a mid-season recap just to talk about like some of our guests that we had, talk about our favorite moments so far, uh, what we've learned this year. Um, and also just to talk about what we have going on um, in the past. If you have been listening for a couple seasons now. Uh, when we first started this podcast, we started off by interviewing each other. Mm-hmm. And um, because, you know, while a lot of people um, who tune in are familiar with us, they don't necessarily know the journey. Um, so, you know, we've given uh, given folks the opportunity to really kind of see what our paths were like to both each other and in the, the arts and our careers. Yeah, and um, we haven't done that since. Yeah, it's been a while. It's yeah, been a while. Been and a years. lot... A lot has happened. So, yeah, looking forward um, to chopping it up with everybody, um, answering whatever questions you have. And then, of course, we're asking questions of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should be a lot of fun, man. Shout out to everyone in the chat already. Hey, hey, um, hey. Tuning in. Peace to y'all, man. Definitely thank you for joining us. Shout out to Joshua. Shout out to Blackheart. Good to see y'all in here. Hey, folks. All right. Yeah, man. Um, So. You want to go first? Well, go? yeah, I kind of want to. Um, there's there's uh yes i do (laughs) but but more importantly um you know i want to uh start by giving folks heads up as to what's going on this weekend Mm -hmm. um which is a big part of what we've been doing for the last um how many years well it's one year it feels like it's been years yeah it does yeah wow that's crazy it's the anniversary we launched so what we're talking Mm -hmm. about folks is sketchpads yes um sketchpads is basically a jam session that we created we thought of last year Mm -hmm. um we are very much active in the con con convention space Mm -hmm. um and so we launched sketchpads at blurred con and blurred con here we are a year later and we're back and so just to give you um a brief description of what it is so it's a jam session where we invite a visual artist and a beat maker Mm-hmm. Because if you are a visual artist, more nine times out of ten, you are probably li- doing what? Listening to music while you're drawing. Mm-hmm. And so um, we invite a visual artist, a beat maker, and basically they have a jam session. So while the beat, while the producer is making live beats or playing their already pre-recorded beats, and then we have a visual artist that will be doing live drawing, sketching, whatever that's projected for the audience to view, and mm-hmm. then there's more we also invite um so dramatic (laughs) we also invite um cosplayers because again Mm -hmm. like we said we're in the convention space um 
we invite usually two, typically two cosplayers to come in for the audience and or the visual artist to draw as a figure model. Um, and so the audience gets to really enjoy that. So they really get to, it's a very, very much um, an immersive experience. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is if you get there early, the first 50 participants get free goodie bags because we love to give. We're, we're givers. We're givers. And so we provide you with some sketch pads, some, some, some drawing utensils to help you with that process. So, yeah, I think it's a good time. We've had a yeah. very good response. We've been at... Like we said, we launched at BlurCon. Mm -hmm. From there, we went to Otakon. Um, Anime USA. Yes. Um, Anime NYC. Mm -hmm. uh, we did Farpoint um, Convention. Um, we have yet to do, uh, we haven't done MAGFest yet, but we're, we're going to keep shooting our shot. Uh, we've done MomoCon. Um, we just did AwesomeCon a couple weeks ago. Yep, AwesomeCon for the first time. We'll also be at Konjutsu. We'll be back at uh, both BlurCon and Otakon this year. This and uh, yeah. we're doing Konjutsu in uh, Virginia for the first time as well. So, yeah, man, um, should be dope. Yeah. Um, should be really, really dope. It's a really good time. It's definitely a vibe. You know, we get a really good amount of people that turn that come out and are just enjoying the scene or like i said participating or you just want to be a voyeur and be nosy and see whatever other people are doing you can mm -hmm. do that too so we're excited 100%. to be coming back um to BlurCon. yes yeah and no, it should be really really dope um but oh, yeah man artists. oh yeah yeah, yeah so let's tell um tell them briefly who we got featured uh so yeah this year we have special guests um micah blacklight is our visual artist um, for those of you who are fans of me, um, substantial, uh, you may have you may have come across my substantial versus Samurai Champ Lou project. Micah did illustration on that. Um, for those of you who are Q and Five fans, um, you may remember him not for his visual art ability, but him as a dancer as well, because he performed with me, my brother Be Polite. Um, and my man Scotty um, at the Q and Five Mega Show that year, I had dancers. I can't remember exactly what year that was, but um, it was wild. It was it was an awesome time. But shout out to Blacklight. He will be joining us for the first time um, doing sketch pads. Uh, not his first time at BlurCon though. Mm -hmm. And then our producer, our beat maker, is um, the homie K Murdoch, Kyle Murdoch. Um, most um, known for um, you know just producing amazing tracks for people like Mega Ran, one half of Panacea. Um, he also um, does sound engineering for uh, Vice, mm -hmm. um, like for a lot of their podcasts and various um, things on their platform. Super talented brother, um, fellow member of the NPC Collective. Shout out to our fam and but, a professor. Yeah, and a professor at Howard University. So yeah, man. Um, so that's uh, that's your 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 cast, so to speak. Um, and then we have cosplayers as well. I believe Navy Montel, uh, Montel is going to be one of them. Um, you know, uh, and we got to follow up with the other. I yeah. think we forgot to reply to him. Nope. But uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, man. So BlurCon is going to be pretty dope. We're excited to be coming back, um, and we hope to see you all there. You know. Yeah. But yeah. So on that note, um, let's get into some things. Um, let's uh, bring it up here. So who's that uh, good looking man? Couple? We kind of cute or whatever. <laughs> um, no man. Um, so those of you who um, obviously know who we are, 
um, if you're here at the channel. Before before I start, though, I forgot to point out something. Um, there was something I definitely wanted to uh, make mention of. Um, if you're watching on YouTube right now and you have not subscribed to our channel, please do that yeah. because we are, I think, only 13 subscribers away from hitting 300 subscribers on our way to 1,000. It's a long journey, but we're up for it. And, man, shout out to y'all um, for just supporting the channel in general. But um, for those who don't know what substantial art and music is, I figure we start there. Um, so substantial art and music is a consulting service that we created um, to basically better serve our friends. A lot of times um, we were oftentimes, uh, you know, kicking it with folks that we love and care about. And we were talking about the different things we were talking about what they were doing. Uh, we would sometimes make suggestions on different ways they could pivot um, to, to further their careers. When they ask, of course, we weren't giving this information out unsolicited. Like friends care about you. They, they, they value what you bring to the table a lot of times. And they're curious to know, um, you know, what you think about what they got going on. And it really just kind of started out helping out people that, uh, as I said before, that we care about um, who, who wanted to know what we thought. And um, from there, you know, we sometimes would get invited to different spaces. Uh, I'm a member of the Recording Academy. I'm a voting member of the Recording Academy. And now um, uh, I sit on the board. And we'll, we'll talk yeah. more about that. Absolutely. You're ahead of yourself. I am. But <laughs> this is all connected because what yeah. ultimately ended up happening was at one of the, um, the many meetings that we would do um, with the Recording Academy, uh, folks were talking about, um, you know, social media and people had some interesting takes. Right. And um, and then I started to share my two cents, which turned into about uh, about twenty dollars. <laughs> right. Um, as opposed to two cents. And um, and I'm just running my mouth, man. And I look around and at first it's like me or two or three people talking. And the next thing you know, we got a group of like 15 people, almost 20 people standing around just kind of listening in to what was being said by me. And um, that's when big bro Kokai mm -hmm. said to me, he was like, man, you really need to be consulting um, because that's something he's done for quite some time. Uh, most famously uh, consulting people like Goldlink, uh, who's a notable artist uh, globally, but, um, but just happens to be from the DMV. So he put that, he kind of put that bug in my ear. Um, that's something that we started to talk about because originally we were planning to, um, serve mostly young people, right? Um, come up with creative programming for young yeah, people. Yeah, because we're both um, former youth workers, and so and it, teachers, it was just yeah. a natural progression to continue on and start as a nonprofit. But then we had so many of our peers who are mm -hmm. also performing artists or visual artists that were asking for assistance, whether it was marketing or mm -hmm. social media navigating navigating that space or website update or better monetizing what they do exactly and so that's where bam substantial art music comes in mm -hmm. and we just celebrated um six yeah six, six years. years 2017 wow, is when we started yeah absolutely man it's what time flies yeah. so yeah no it's been a great journey so um so yeah so today you know we're just going to get you up to date with the goings-ons let you know what we've been up to and um talk about this that and the third so we're going to uh uh, so what do you want to do? Paper, scissors, rock? We're flipping the coin. What are we doing? <laughs> Who going first? Well, you know, I think ladies first. Yeah, it's all right. So I, I don't mind. So yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and uh, <laughs> interview Shao, you know, and uh, talk about what she got going on. So first things first, um, this woman here, right? Shao um, 
is a multi-hyphenate, uh, similar to me, uh, you know, where people always talk about, man, you do a whole lot of stuff. I was like, well, I'm surrounded by a ton of people who wear a lot of hats. Yeah. Um, and Shell is one of these many people, and she's the one that I've worked closest with. Um, you know, most notably, like, uh, for those who know her from, from college, they, they know about her as a fashion designer. Um, and, uh, like, you know, they, they know that she can, um, she's an illustrator, she can draw, she can do all of these different things artistically, but they don't, like, if you followed her journey, then you know that she's the arts administrator, right? Like, she's been, um, you know, um, a grant, uh, manager, she's, she's worked for a, a variety of different companies. And so now, um, she's also had this burning desire over the years to, to get into film. This is something that since we started dating, it's kind of come up in conversation. And even in college, um, I believe you took a class um, outside of your major um, to focus a bit more on that. And so um, in recent years, she's, she's definitely spent a bit more time uh, building up her portfolio um, got some certifications now, you know, she out here, you know, okay, like checking, like, you know, checking certain things off and, and uh, <laughs> upgrading herself, so to speak. So, yeah. So we're going to talk a bit about that um, first and foremost, um, because it's just been dope to watch. Aww. So, yeah, of course, you know, you know, I like bragging on you. So anyway, um, let me uh, clean that up. But yeah, so directed by Rochelle Etienne Robinson. Let's talk about it. We're going to highlight uh, briefly some of these videos that you've done. Um, one video I didn't highlight in the slideshow is uh, the dedicated and driven one. You know, um, I forgot to throw that in the mix, but we'll start oh, yeah. there. Okay. So uh, first and foremost, tell me like what what got you interested in um, being a filmmaker? Well, I think for me, you know, I, I grew up, I was a kid, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s. Well, mainly the 80s. Yeah, 80s. I was about to say, you, know, <laughs> you grew up age. all of a year in the 70s. Yeah, right? trying to age myself. <laughs> right. No, but I, I watched TV a whole lot. A mm -hmm. lot more than I probably should have. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was always interested in story and storytelling. And so even when I was in college, I didn't know that that was even, a, that, like, I didn't know how people got into it. It was. Just, I just feel, felt like that wasn't something that was attainable. And so um, I did take a script writing class when I was in college, mm -hmm. but that pretty much was it. You know, it was very much, I thought it was all about who you know, and it still very much is that. Um, and it's she, still she very, got comfortable. I did. I was, I felt like I was in the living folks, room. Folks listening to the podcast like, she sounds so far away. <laughs> no, but um, I, yeah, so years years later after you know like stan told, told said you know being a multi-hyphenate i've done a lot of jobs i have had a lot of different opportunities but um i would say the last what since the pandemic really mm -hmm. uh, right before the pandemic yeah in 2019, started, that's I, when you got the certification yeah in 2019 i decided i wanted to um i started working and volunteering at a local um, local broadcast TV network mm -hmm. and so learning about studio cameras and being a producer and so you could take classes in your local you know for your local TV channel mm -hmm. and so I did that and then from there I actually went um, I took got a certification at NYU mm -hmm. for TV and film industries um, got my certification with that and 
during that part of my capstone, which, yeah, which is on the screen now, my capstone was to do, I wanted to do a short documentary. I love documentaries. And so um, this was during the pandemic and uh, Stan at Substantial and Funky DL were working on a project called We Met in Tokyo. And I was like, look, I would love to interview you guys and talk about your creative journey um, and how you guys met. Because I it was one, I was being selfish, of course, because you know this would be for my capstone. But also I fe- figured it would be a great marketing tool for them as they promote their project. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first project um, post, certifi- you know, since the certification. Mm-hmm. I've done other things where I dabbled with editing and stuff, but this is my, this is my short mini doc. It's 30 minutes, very proud of it. I thought it came out really, really well. Um, I love the story. I loved interviewing the guys um, as they talked about Japan and working with Nujibes and just um, navigating, you know, um, that whole process during that time. So that that mm-hmm. was great. Um, from there, um, Stan was working on uh, a release and needed a video, and so I threw my hat in and was like, "Hey, I'll sh- I'll shoot the video for you." I, mm-hmm. We hired a camera person. I directed mm-hmm. did the storyboard and everything, and that came out. Um, very very good your greatest weapon Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was that was a really great experience Mm -hmm. Um, you know working with of course a videographer and 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 you know um, delegating you know as far as what how you wanted that story how you wanted to tell that story right and so yeah I was working with that from that I got my next job my paid job because this guy you know he was getting benefits for free and stuff but we'll oh. we'll talk about that later right I, there's a joke i could have made just now i'm trying <laughs> but to keep he's it, nice right he's i'm nice. gonna keep it pg you know what i mean it was like i was paying but you know <laughs> no but go ahead i'm sorry so um from there um these are the things we can't do and uh, when we interview yeah, other people when we're, interviewing, we're, we're get, very serious yeah can't can't get canceled out here in these streets you know what i'm saying <laughs> but like he was interviewing me and then he said you know it's it wild but go ahead but um yeah so um Kevin Early Bird uh, was um, releasing his project and needed a director and he saw Greatest Weapon. And from that, he was like, yo, I have a song called Patience. I would love for you to direct it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. And so, again, work with the videographer. We went on several sites around in and around D.C. and Arlington. And, yeah, it was it was a great experience working with that. It's, you know, I would think it, music videos for me, I think, was more um challenging than documentary because it's mm. so quick mm. because of the transitions you know and then on top of that you have to stay with the music and so yeah it's definitely a learning curve mm, yeah you yeah know i mean it's not just whereas a documentary or any narrative piece like the the storyteller you know pretty much tells the story but with music you know you're telling there's so many different pieces and elements to include whereas i can have one camera maybe a two view you know, um, a two, or maybe a two camera and just have that one person talking and then, you know, incorporate some still images, you B-roll. know, roll, yeah, exactly. Some B-roll. Whereas a music video, you know, we have all these elements and, you know, different layers and transitions and so mm-hmm. and pacing. So um, very yeah. challenging, but very rewarding at the end. So much so he liked it so much that um, Kevin is actually in a documentary um, mm-hmm. Called Hidden in Plain Sight, where he highly has, recommend you all check it out. It's, it, a, it's a great film. Yeah, where it deals where he he's very candid talking about you know his battles with mental, mental illness, health, yeah. and so um, 
he was actually asked to do a song for the soundtrack of the project and he asked me to do the video and so that was um yeah so Mm -hmm. live life so we did that one so it's it was a great again it was a great experience um i did work with a different um different videographer with that so that that Mm -hmm. style you know that style is incorporated but still staying on theme Mm -hmm. um yeah, so it's it's been it's been wonderful. I mean, I I plan to continue. I'm still writing mm-hmm. when I have chance. I have several stories, um, scripts that you've been working on. Scripts that yeah. I've been working on. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to you know work on that. I, you know, it's, I got some really good advice not only from this man over here, but from um, our our guest Tone, who was like, "Yo, just do it. Just yeah, do it." Yeah, yeah. So um, that was uh, after the interview. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So behind the scenes, right? But um. Yeah, so I I have some things in the works. You know, I I'm a glutton for for pain because I clearly don't know when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, I I figure also you know we are at and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this later when we, mm-hmm. when I talk to Stan about his his project Adultish, is that as you get older you realize how uh, precious time is, and mm-hmm. so you, whatever it is that you want to do, um, you des- you should do it. Mm. and follow through with it um but i think also at the same token um had i been doing what i was doing 20 years ago it would not be i don't think it would be the same right. you know i have a lot of world experience that i bring to the table that i didn't have 20 years ago so mm-hmm. you know teach his own but yeah. you know I'm, I'm enjoying the ride that's what's up yeah. so i i mean i know that you know, I know you've been working on a ton of stuff behind the scenes, but let's say um, if you had the budget today, mm-hmm. right, and um, resources weren't a problem, you could you had all the equipment you needed, you mm-hmm. had the budget you needed. What was what would be the first thing? And you you know, I know some of the stuff that you're working on, you can't share um, yeah. the details and stuff. Um, um, and well, before we do that. So for the record, too, like, you know, what a lot of people don't know is that um, behind the scenes, like outside of um, being a filmmaker, like you work behind the scenes um, doing research Mm -hmm. uh, for film and TV and stuff uh, for several projects, some of which uh, some I know you can't speak on. But um, that's also something I know that you've been working on quietly, too, that uh, maybe our listeners and even our families uh, aren't fully aware of. So. You know, it's just super dope. But going back to what I was saying, if you had the budget today, resources, everything you needed today mm-hmm. to start filming something, what would be the first thing you want to work on? It's funny that you asked that because um, I work very closely with my former professor. Um, she's a friend. She's mm-hmm. a mentor. She's also my writing partner. Um, we have a project that we have that is loosely based on her life. Mm-hmm. Um and I, every time we, we talk about it, every time I think about it, I can see it. And so if I had, if the, the money was no object and I can do it, that would be the project that we, we would do. Um, that is with uh, Adrian, you know, Professor Adrian Jones at Pratt mm-hmm. Institute. Um, she and I worked together with um, on Black Dress Exhibit. Back in 2014, she launched an exhibit which was groundbreaking, which highlighted African-Americans, um, designers, and those mm-hmm. in the, the fashion industry period, um, called Black Dress. Mm-hmm. And I came on shortly after 
We developed the website, which you see on the screen now, um, where it's basically it's an online resource where we talk about not only the initial exhibit, mm -hmm. but also where we highlight, you know, stylists and designers and fashion models and beauty and um, hair and beauty and makeup you know, um, entrepreneurs. And so we highlight them. And that has since grown mm -hmm. to include what we call Black Dress Talks and Black Dress, the Black Dress Talks series, where we actually um, twice a year um, at Pratt, we actually host a series of talks where we invite black um, designers, stylists, entrepreneurs to talk about their creative journey and mm -hmm. how it is in being in the industry and so everything is still on mission is on is on brand mm -hmm. um we also have launched black dress tv which is a youtube channel where we interview um designers and stylists and entrepreneur entrepreneurs in the fashion industry mm -hmm. um and talk to talk to them about the industry and so yeah i mean that's been that's been amazing we are so fortunate that we are still since 2014 still doing it mm -hmm. and people are still active it's great to see now how you're seeing a lot of other organizations that have since come after us and are finally highlighting these folks who have been around since right. since you know before and before slavery time but you know definitely when you think of like um dressmakers back then a lot of these folks were black women mm -hmm. so um and just wanted to um you know pay homage to them and to their work and for the black men as well who are designers who mm -hmm. are who are out here doing amazing things and so yeah a quick yeah. example of what she's talking about right like ann lowe is uh, a woman who i had never heard of um mm -hmm. and i did uh something back in 2015 um, on Instagram and Facebook where I basically was highlighting mm -hmm. um, little known um, like contributors to black history. And um, and so as I was putting my list together, one, it was just crazy how this was working because it was some of the things I was posting was going viral, which was very unexpected to me. I really uh, did that because of uh, students of mine. They were asking who they should write about for black history. And of course, a lot of them were writing about the same figures. Um, and that's when I started to make some suggestions. But then I know some of them were following me on Instagram. So I was like, yo, I'll post some additional ones there outside of the ones I'm telling you about. So long story short, mm -hmm. um, Shell uh, uh, suggested me. She was like, you could uh, do something about Ann Lowe. And she sent me some information. And that's what I learned, um, like how brilliant this woman was. Mm -hmm. One, her style was like, yeah, she was fly. Like the pictures, the, the few pictures you find of her, like yeah, she was just uh, just fly. Right. Um, so that was striking about her. But then you find out she was designing dresses for, um, uh, for Jacqueline um, Kennedy. Yeah, Jacqueline Kennedy. Jack, uh, yeah. Um, and um, amongst others. And so she was getting like paid like ridiculous amounts. Uh, like when you think about like what the the money was in those times, like the she's doing these high end like dresses um, at a time where. You know, I mean, she. This was at a time that when she went to school, she. I think she was um, doing taking class. She was in the like janitor closet or something. I read, um, and one of the things like where they wouldn't let her sit in the classroom when she was um taking doing some, yeah when she was taking lessons. But anyway, I bring this up, um, because this is part of what Black Dress has been doing. This is part of the work they've been doing, highlighting people like this, and because I learned about it from her. And then posted about it. Then here comes um, Afro Punk, uh, which is huge now, right? Mm -hmm. They took my thing, 
posted it, credited me. And I'm like, meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, that, that ain't me, <laughs> you know, because I, I shout out um, Rochelle in it. But um, but yeah, man, the work that they're doing is really, really important. And, um, you know, it's, it's just dope to see a lot of these people that I had never heard their names until I saw them doing their work and learned about it via, you know, like just being around, being a fly on the wall when Shell and Adrian would be talking about it. And now a lot of these people like just are a part of the Zygeist. It's just it's just yeah. a part of pop culture and folks just know now. But I really feel like um, they don't get enough credit for what they've been quietly doing because um, people are watching. That's the one thing we've learned doing this. And I and I feel like y'all know some of you know this already, but for those who don't know, we we may not be we may not have the most popular podcast, right? We may not have the most our businesses might not be the biggest or like the name isn't but like there's a ton of influential people behind the scenes, um, and some in the foreground who know who we are. They know about the work we do. They're watching what Black Dress is doing, right? Some folks watching what substantial art and music um, is doing or meeting behind the scenes with us, right? And then taking a thing and then running with it. And and that's all right. Like, you know, but, um, but just know that we have uh, the thing I've learned in our relationship, um, you know, both our per- personal relationship and in business is that people are oftentimes watching you. And we don't always get the credit we deserve. And y'all definitely don't get all the credit y'all deserve um, for the work y'all been doing in the fashion biz. But, um, but no, for sure, for sure. But I see it, you know what I mean? So I see these articles and they talk about this great work such and such did. And I know damn well they were very (laughs) well aware of what you did, um, which y'all have been doing. It's just interesting to see, but uh, but no, I just want to make I, sure y'all get y'all flowers. You well, know? I appreciate that. Appreciate you know, that. You know what I'm saying? Yes, pack it up. Pack yeah, it up. for sure. Um, I mean, what one of the things that people say, right? The best. Um, um, what was it? Flattery is the best form of imitation. Um, uh, what was it? Of, yeah. um, no, uh, imitation is the best, uh, yeah. best form of flattery. There we go. Remix. <laughs> Tired. It's been a long day. So, yeah. So, we do get um, that does happen. Mm-hmm. And it, 100%. So I, I appreciate you. For yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do it, you know, you do it for the love. You do it because you want to highlight the folks that are still here because there's a lot of people who are unfortunately, you know, have transitioned, who have passed on and mm-hmm. didn't get their flowers. And so our, our goal is to definitely, most certainly uh, make sure that we highlight folks um, and let them tell their story in, in their own words. No, and so that's... Um, Going back to what I was saying before about staying on mission, I mean, the the overall theme in the last, I would say, several years has been creative journey. Mm -hmm. Whether it's in the fashion industry, whether it's, you know, there is, there are no podcasts, as far as I know, that's like us. I mean, we've been told Mm -hmm. this, you know, that... um, you know, there there might be, of course, there's several media that will interview and will highlight a specific project that the artist is working on, but never really delve into like their past, their present and their plans for the future. And so mm-hmm. I'm very proud of all the things that we have accomplished and are still doing. Here we are four years later um, and we're looking forward to continuing, you know, more and more. So Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
And um, yeah, on that note, uh, before we were, we get ready to take a break, mm-hmm. just wanted to um, like talk about uh, something else you got going on, yeah. because you are a woman with many things going on per yeah, usual. Per um, but yeah, man. So let's talk about George Mason University and your role there. I told you we wear a lot of hats. This is <laughs> we're just going through her uh, her hat. What do, what do they call it? I guess like her hat closet. What do we, I don't know what they call I, yeah, I where they store hats because the hats are just everywhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so let's talk much. about your role at George Mason University and what you do there. So at George Mason. So first of all, full disclosure, I grew up in Northern Virginia. I was born mm-hmm. in New York, but I, I grew up in Northern Virginia. George Mason has been up the road all my life. I was never interested in going. I was like, it's up the street. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go up the street. But as I became older, and I've always wanted to work in higher education, and so I was here. I am back at you know back looking at um, George Mason University. Um, so at George Mason, they have um, two locations. They have the Center for the Arts and the Hilton Performing Arts Center. Um, and so my role is I'm the digital marketing coordinator. And so all of their um, email marketing campaigns, mm-hmm. I work closely with the marketing team to develop, the, create them, develop them, and um, and send them out to all of our patrons and followers and supporters and update them of different performances and events, special events that are happening on the campus. So it's been wonderful. I've been there officially in this current role will be a year next month, mm-hmm. but I've been working there since last January. Wow. And so it's been it's been great. Um, it's been very inspiring. The team that I work with are amazing. Um, you know, we love her for the arts. Um, having worked in education, I was hungry for working in the arts, hence why we started Substantial Art and Music. And mm-hmm. just let's be clear, Substantial Art and Music is not going anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. We are still in full effect, um, just adding to the plate. So, mm-hmm. Speaking of adding to the pl- uh, plate, <laughs> yes. um, you know, like, so one of the things, um, a lot of people who know us and, or have been following us online, um, we used to have an office at uh, Creative Suitland in Suitland, Maryland, uh, very close to where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um you know, unfortunately, uh, we closed down um, our office over there, uh, you know, during like, the yeah, during the pandemic. Um, but uh, we just recently, not too long ago, was given an opportunity to open a new office. Um, and uh, so now we're, we're happy to announce that we will have an office at Crescendo Studios mm-hmm. in uh, Falls Church, Virginia. So clap it up for that. Yes. Super um, excited. Shout out to our boy Bo from SNRG. Um, Volcan Lass and uh, yeah man great opportunity we're looking forward to working with the folks um, over at uh, Crescendo mm-hmm. um, and of course with our with our guys um, um, uh, from SNRG man just really really good folks um, grateful for the opportunity uh, as we've been doing in the past like look for, look out for like classes and workshops that we'll be doing there um, um, as well as uh, performances and um, different types of events that you can attend. 
Um, so yeah, we'll definitely have more updates for you um, for that. You know, stay tuned, tuned for all those updates and all that good stuff. But on that note, yeah. you, you, you want to? No, I was just gonna more? say yeah. Shout out to Bo and Aaron um, for informing us of the opportunity. It's a mm-hmm. great space if you are in the DMV area and are looking for a place to either ha- hold rehearsal. Um, to audio, you need audio recording. You, need, you want to take music classes. Maybe you want to record your podcast. Maybe you want to record your podcast. Um, they have great. Um, they have a great setup over there. So definitely be sure to check them out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. On that note, we're going to get ready to take a brief break, and then we're going to come back with more us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, y'all hang out for a second. Uh, we're going to get ready for a brief word from our sponsor. Shout out to Words, Beats, and Life. Yes. Forever grateful for the amazing work that they're doing in the community, and also uh, for them supporting what we do here at Substantial Art Music. So you all hang tight. Uh, We're going to go ahead and run this ad real quick, and uh, we'll be back with more artistry. Hi, I'm Terry, or Rosina Terry Memolo, and I teach roses and concrete here at Words, Beats, and Life. Visual arts probably is one of the things that kept me interested in school and kept me attending. Then, of course, I went on to art school. It kept me motivated. It kept me focused, gave me a space to express myself, connections with other people, other artists. I teach roses and concrete for a few different reasons. One of them is working with flowers and making things is a great hustle. The same inspiration that I needed in school with visual arts, I know that young people need it today and I believe that's what we pass on when we teach this class. It gives that hope, that inspiration to keep going. That's why I'm with WBL. So enroll in my class at wblinc.org slash academy. All right. Once again, shout out to our friends, Words, Beats, and Life. Uh, Thank you for all you do. Definitely grateful for the support. Uh, But yeah, we're back with more artistry. Uh, episode six with the Robinsons. Yeah, um, hanging out with the Robinsons. Yeah, for sure. So before we we jump back into um, Q and A and all that good stuff, um, uh, I wanted to ask you. So far, like this is our fourth season. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we've had some amazing guests. Mm-hmm. Um, Forty. Yeah, yeah. We've had some amazing guests. Um, on, like over the the past four seasons. Uh, but let's focus on this season. Um, you know, I would say what would, well, my question for you, and then you're going to ask me the same, um, or a spinoff, I don't know, whatever you feel. But if, (laughs) if someone was late uh, to catching on the artistry, what do you feel like is a great entry point for them? What's a great interview for them to start with? Oh, wow. Yeah. From just this season? This season? Oh, I mean, I was trying I was trying not to put the pressure on you of saying all four seasons, which one? Right. You know what I mean? But what do you what do you feel like is a good entry point? Hmm. God. I mean, you know, because every every person that we interview is different. They bring something different to the table. So the great thing about what we do too is a lot of the the questions um, are similar for every guest. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to get a, you know, you have 20 guests, you're going to get 20 different responses because mm-hmm. everybody's everybody's path is different. Right. Everybody's circumstance is different. And so that's the good thing. So even if you came in on, in the fourth season, 
you know, we pretty much follow. We have been consistent these past four years. I mean, we've updated, we've upgraded, we add out our twist and our flair, but it's pretty much follows a certain format. Mm-hmm. I mean, this season, you know, we started out really strong. We we try, we do our best in incorporating both as many visual artists with along with performing artists. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we had both Tonys. We had Tony Complex, and then we have Tone Deaf. Mm-hmm. Tony Complex is a visual artist. He started out the season, and we had Tone Deaf, who is a veteran, you know, MC and producer who's been in the game for quite some time. Who's also a visual artist. Who's too. also a visual artist too. So, mm-hmm. I think with that Bisco and um, Tony Complex, we we went to college with them, and yeah. so we know them well over 20 years mm-hmm. um it, when they were you know because they're younger than us and so the, you know not babies but you know when they were just starting out and to see the growth you know to see what they've been able to accomplish these last several years has just been amazing to watch mm-hmm. and i love the fact that we're able to co- go back and and catch up with them and see what they've been up to in the time that we've been apart so i i can't pinpoint to one can you yeah i mean you know, the lazy answer would be like, man, just start from the beginning, you know. <laughs> and so and shout out to Blackheart in the uh, chat. He was like, man, first season, right? First season. Yeah. yeah and I, I think and this is why we are doing this now. Right. With like taking time to speak to each other, update you all on what we're doing and ask each other questions, because this is how we started um, the whole journey. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that people think they know you a lot of times mm-hmm. like. Um, there are absolutely people out there who know you fairly well, know you better than most. But even what we've learned doing this, because nearly every guest we've had on the show uh, are people who we could call right now. They're, they're friends or close associates. Yeah. Um, there's been like a few guests here and there, um, less than five, maybe less than three, um, who weren't like uh, like friends or, or close associates that we had a lot of history with. And so what we learned was like sometimes the best way to start things like this or start journeys is to start with who, you know, right, mm-hmm. who's nearby. And so what better way to start a, a podcast dedicated to having conversations about our journeys in the arts um, than talking to each other since we're both professional artists. Yeah. And I would say the, uh, the very first episode of season one, which is where we interview each other. Where we know where, where I interview her. Okay, right. Well, it's yes. episodes one and two. Episodes She's like, let's start two. with the episode about me. Right. <laughs> That's your best entry point to artistry. Start with the interview where I am the focus. And I know I'm playing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to say that, <laughs> but know, what the reason why is because it sets the it sets the tone absolutely. for going forward with all the other interviews that yeah, we had. So absolutely, that's why. But season one is great. I mean, we had um, um, oh gosh, we've had so many so many of our folks. But yeah, um, from season one, you trying yeah, to remember names? One, uh, Funky yeah. DL, Marcus yeah. D, Verbal, um, Brooke Kid, um, Kokai. Yeah. Uh, Sahat Walker. Um, blah, 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 blah. Who else? Who else? It's a ton. I'm forgetting. I yeah. said Marcus D. Yeah, you said. Marcus I said Marcus D. D. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a yeah. great mix. It's a great mix of um, mm-hmm. season two. We talked to Marcus J. Moore, Katie Fox, Carolyn Malachi. Yeah, we try to mix um, it up with more audio as far as um, mm-hmm. and literary arts. We try to incorporate mm-hmm. that. I'm really and, excited for this season because I mean, I know it's been a sausage party. We've had four. <laughs> <laughs> five 
uh, male guests, and it's just because of scheduling. Yeah. But um, what we have coming up for you guys, I mean, we Ooh, have, for instance, next week we'll have Pinky Ring, which is a yeah. female MC who's mm-hmm. phenomenal. We have and, um, um, activists as well, community organizers. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have some we have some great ones to close out the season. Yeah, so for sure. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. But mm-hmm. are you ready? Pray for me, y'all. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm, I'm here with Black Barbara Walters, so you know. Okay. Don't worry, I'm not gonna make you cry. Right. I'm not gonna make you cry. And then, and then, what <laughs> happened was my dad took my art supplies and burned them all. And I thought my career was over. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. You, you Go good? ahead. Yeah, I'm good. I'm so, good. Got it out. Got it out. This guy I have next to me, not only is he a comedian, right? So. <laughs> Part-time stripper <laughs> and he do hair. <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that would be some talent. Man, man. For anybody who gets that reference, you are awesome. That's uh, from old uh, those old X Men joints. Like I'm the juggernaut. I'm sorry. Yeah, That's okay. where that comes from. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Ask ask a question quick. Okay. You know I'm tangent so, king. Um, you know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have you know we talk about wearing multiple hats. Mm-hmm. Um, you for one literally and figuratively wear a lot of hats i do um you are currently in the process of releasing your um sixth solo album fifth fifth i'm aging you sorry Mm -hmm. your fifth solo album uh called adultish Mm -hmm. um which comes out officially uh july 14th on Bandcamp. Um, wow, we we are a little yeah. over a week away, yeah. and then it drops uh, on July twenty eighth. Everywhere, everywhere. Yep. yeah. And so, let's talk about that process because you are, um, you are not only releasing your fifth solo album, but this is your first project that you have produced all tracks mm-hmm. by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This of course, is, with the help of you know, you've had some instrumentalists that had, yeah, 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 for that sure. You collaborate with them. as as most great producers do. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, but this is self-produced by you. Can you talk to us about that process? How was that for you? Sure. Um, yeah. So, oh man, like uh, it it was uh, it's tedious, man. Like I am not like a lot of my producer friends that they make beats all day right like um or like Mm -hmm. you know even multiple days a week like i sometimes will make a couple beats in a week and then i might not make beats again for like a month and a half two months um like but i'm also not a person that just has a ton of production just sitting around so like i the moment i make something a lot of times i'm figuring out where it can go who it's for, um, what I can use it for. And so, like, I'm very intentional, I think, uh, when I produce. And so when I knew I was going to start work on my fifth solo album, prior to that, um, I had been in talks with uh, Funky DL. Shout out to my big bro, uh, Funky DL. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just about doing more production in general. So uh, before getting to this point of producing a whole solo album as a vocalist, um before doing this i did um uh the garden and uh and i started that journey off with the short ep 
uh, leading up to that called Seeds because I really just wanted to see how people, I wanted to plant some seeds and show people that, y'all, I'm a serious producer. And I intentionally put like all the beats of mine on there. Like these were not beats that really showcased how developed um, I was as a producer. It was just like a sample, right? Like it was seeds that I planted and just to let people know that this is where I was going. And I was just interested to see how people respond. And people responded surprisingly well. Um, I had very low expectations in terms of how people would respond to seeds. I just wanted to kind of, you know, dip my toe in the water. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so then uh, fast forward um, and uh, I dropped the garden. And once I dropped the garden, like, you know, I had put a lot of work into that. Um, tapped a lot of my friends who were multi-instrumentalists to, to play on the tracks. Um, some of the tracks didn't have anyone playing on there. And I wanted to mix mix those type of tracks in there as well. Just to see like what people would gravitate toward. And um, and the response, man. The response was yeah. crazy. Um, uh, you know, I crowdfunded the vinyl. Uh, you know, I only was trying to get a minimum amount done surpassed that stores around the world ordered copies of it um you know got some got some uh major placements for some of the beats for some really big playlists uh the project to date has like um a couple million plays um which is just crazy to me um and that just really kind of put me on this journey to put more of my production out and then I started planting the seeds of producing for other people and producing full projects. Well, not full projects, but EPs for them. So I did that with Wealth and I did that with T. Lucas. Uh, and both of those projects were the most successful projects those two artists ever released and um, in terms of streaming. So right? that gave you the confidence? That absolutely. It let me know that, man, this isn't this is not a flash in the pan like this isn't something that um you know like i need to leave alone this is something i need to explore further mm -hmm. and um so yeah so i knew going into this album i i knew i was ready um because i just looked at how much people like those beats and i knew i could do better um that's the crazy thing because when you're producing for other people there's limitations right because if i go too far maybe they don't want that um or sometimes you know i feel like it should be more stripped down and they want more so it's really like it's limited to a certain extent um, because like collaboration can sometimes make expand on something and other times it can limit uh, yeah. something. But it's also difficult to curate your, for yourself. Oh, 100 yeah. um, percent. And that's why I keep people who are, I feel are the uh, more talented than me when it comes to certain things. That's why I keep those people around. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not scared of. Uh, of having people around who are more successful, mm -hmm. more talented, smarter. Like that's never something that has intimidated me because the one thing you learn is that like they may be, they may have a, uh, specific skill sets that are m far more advanced than yours. Um, like, I mean, for far more advanced than you are when it comes to that particular thing, but where balance um, comes in, there's something you're great at that like that when you put you you two together or you three or four people together because y'all balance each other out amazing things can happen so i've always kept people around me like that um and or i should say have been blessed enough where people like that don't mind having me around or pick up the phone when i call so well i think uh, also with this project too you 
perfectly blended both your art director hat or your creative mm -hmm. director hat and your music producer hat because this project not only includes you know it's produced by you rhymes written by you but then visually you've created a whole series because you you opted to do to do single single releases yes. before you know releasing the full album mm -hmm. and with those releases you actually have a theme mm -hmm. throughout whether it's the 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 single covers Mm -hmm. You also have merchandise, right? That's tied in. You have um, the album cover, which we showed um, just a moment ago. If you mm -hmm. wouldn't mind pulling that back up again, where again you have these colors, these patterns. So you are incorporating both Stan, the substantial, the visual artist, and substantial, the MC producer. Mm -hmm. And when talking about collaborations, the image, the vinyl image on the right. Mm -hmm. side was created you want to talk to us about that yeah shout out to my brother naturel um uh who did that illustration um amazing visual artist known for creating dope designs using um triangles and um you know he's just he's super dope man and been a long time friend of mine for um wow close to 30 years uh mm -hmm. yeah man because i've known him since he was 10 and so, um, yeah, man, it's extremely grateful to finally be able to to have him um, contribute to one of my projects and stuff since he's been a person who's been a longtime supporter and a great friend to me over the years. So shout out to that, brother. Um, and then for the uh, for the non variant for the original cover art, which is the smaller art on the left with the photo. Um, shout out to my brother, um, um, Marvin Jones or Marvelous Jones. Uh, who did all the photography for all of the, um, the stuff related to adultish. Also, shout out to Ryan Espelita, um, who I worked on uh, the pattern mm -hmm. that you see in the background. He actually created the original version of the pattern that I later um, took his pattern, which he had colors that were loosely based um, on the colors you see there. Um, I gave, like, basically before any of this was designed, so just... Stepping back, before any of this stuff was designed, I literally laid out the color palette, right? Like, I've known what these colors were going to be for, like, two years. Um, you know, like, early in the process of making this record, um, maybe even three. Like, definitely two, maybe three years. I've known what the color palette was going to be um, and and just kind of built, built around that. I was having meetings with Ryan Espelita early on where he was going to originally design the cover. Um, there were a lot of ideas we were throwing around that just kind of, they weren't like, we were just, I feel like we were trying to do too much. Um, the illustrations he did was so dope. He notably did the, the beautiful work cover, uh, which the moment I saw that cover art, I'm like, oh, I need to hire this guy to do the album cover. Yeah. Um, and so we tried to work on something, but it was a bit too much. Uh, and I wanted something that that pop, but still was somewhat scaled back, right? Um, and I think sometimes we struggle to say a lot without doing a lot, right? Um, I think that that's hard for a lot of us because we have all these ideas and we want to find a way to convey all of that and keep you engaged and not lose you. But it's hard to do that a lot of times. 
And so um, so that didn't work out with Ryan initially, but I knew I still wanted to have him involved because he came in to work with me early on in this process. And I and I felt I owed it um, to him for all the time to, to do something and finish something. So shout out to him because without Ryan, this pattern that now is on the sneakers, mm-hmm. right, is on the brim of the adultish hat. Mm-hmm. Is a full uh, print shirt, uh, full bleed, full bleed shirt um, with this pattern. So, it. Um, I love the fact that I was still able to have him be a major part just by doing that because I I told him this early on that mm-hmm. that was the vision. So, um, but yeah, I, I know I'm all over the place right now, but. <laughs> I mean, yeah, man, it, it, it was it's been a ton of work like uh, but the beautiful thing has been like, you know, like having the concept for the record, both visually, sonically, all of that and, and having control, but at the same time, opening it up to the different creatives that I love and respect. And I mean, from my barber slash one of my oldest friends, uh, uh, Shamark, uh, a lot of y'all know him as Sherm the Barber, uh, the Barber. Um, you know, he was my stylist. He picked what I wore, like for for the shoots and stuff like that. You know, sunglasses or nah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Not those sunglasses. Here's my sunglasses. Like, yeah. yo, so many people contributed to this record, even though it's a solo record. So yeah. So. Because I know we're running on time. Um, okay, it's our show. We do. We run it. This could be a three-hour ep. No, we got we babies not, in the other right, room. Well, right. We will not be doing that. <laughs> so, um, but I do want to touch base on some other things that you were working on in 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 the middle of creating this album. You have been doing some culture. You ended the year 2022 doing um, not one but two cultural diplomacy um, mm. trips. Um, oh. But before we do that, we did get a question. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, music, anime, uh, music in anime. Shout out, shout out to him. He came out to the show in uh, Boston when I was on tour earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. It says question uh, for the Q and A. As artists who wear a lot of hats, from creating to promoting to educating, etc., how do you keep all those hats balanced and also not feel the weight of it all? Mm. Hallelujah. Yeah, short answer so, is <laughs> someone, someone said five hours, five hours. Man, um, um, <laughs> right. um, I would say for me, what has been working for me, mm-hmm. like because I'm working on multiple projects as we speak, is um, having a calendar mm-hmm. and literally designating a day for that particular project. So, mm-hmm. for instance, if I'm doing film research, for instance, I'm doing film research, that, that gets a day. I'm editing a, a project, an interview that I did. So um, that gets a day. And so that's how I'm able to break up. But of course, we're also, you know, we're a, a married couple. We have mm-hmm. two kids. And so I have to make sure that their needs are met as well. Like we have a daughter who's in camp and, you know, so, but everybody gets a day. And it, when I say a day, it's not the whole day. Mm-hmm. It's just one day where you focus and yeah, you hone in on the, that particular project. Vast majority of the hours of that day, or good a good amount of the hours of that day, is focused yeah. on that project. Yeah. Um, I do something similar. Like typically, uh, unless the deadline requires me to do a bit, like work a bit more sporadically, or kind of just really, really uh, focus in because of when something's due. I typically work on my music stuff in the beginning of the week, like Mondays, Tuesdays, right? And then like my my art admin stuff or whatever, or like um, like behind the scenes stuff. 
a lot of times those that stuff is dedicated uh, to like Wednesdays, Thursdays, and then my video content days um, because I do lives on Friday. A lot of times it's kind of uh, focused around then, mm-hmm. so it's somewhat similar. But because of deadlines and because of certain things being due, um, some some days or whatever it shifts, yeah. where like the day is just broken up. Where I start out, email gets a certain amount of time early in the morning. Um, and then from there, it's like, you know, social media, graphic design, stuff, flyers, et cetera, et cetera. So just scheduling, you know, like we have calendars, we use them, you know what I'm saying? Like, and keeping it on a deadline. So for instance, yeah. if I give my, myself um, two hours, I go in two hours and then that's all they get and then move on to something else because Absolutely. you don't, one, you don't want to burn, burn out. Two, sleep is real. It's, mm-hmm. it's a requirement. You need it. Um, but also it, you focus in, you know, you're able to focus in on what exactly needs to be done. Um, I'm the type of person I need to be able to be able to check something off. So it's like, mm-hmm. I give myself, all right, two hours, I need to accomplish this amount of stuff in this amount of time so that I could feel good that knowing that I'm, I'm breaking at a good breaking point so that the next day or the next time I'm supposed to do that particular thing that I'm at a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So you were saying we're keeping it moving. Yes. Let's so um, talking about the cultural diplomacy. Yes. So cultural diplomacy. So please define that for our, for our audience. And where did you go? Yeah. So cultural diplomacy can look um, a few different ways. But um, cultural diplomacy uh, oftentimes involves you building uh, relationships uh, with like the global community. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, it's via hip hop. Right. Um, And think of it like an exchange program, so to speak, uh, where a lot of times we are sent certain places in order to uh, work with a particular community, take your skill sets and the different talents you have and the knowledge base that you have and share it with that community in a way that helps them better, uh, better, you know, Um, do whatever it is they're striving to do so if it's through hip-hop if their focus is hip-hop then basically and oh and here's the key part um to cultural diplomacy right it doesn't uh, just mean you show up and like hey people who don't really know how to do this thing this is how you do it it's not that what it is is you show up you learn about their their country their culture what the industry's like there, all of these different things, you ask questions, you know, you tell them about yourself, but you ask a lot of questions. And then based on their advantages and their limitations, then you make suggestions based on your knowledge, uh, on, you know, based on your knowledge base uh, that can help them better uh, promote what they do, excel at what they do, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you know, um, but the whole point is I have resources that I that I believe may be valuable to you all based on what I've learned mm-hmm. about you all. Here you go. And then, um, you know, and sometimes like it's it an ha- exchange. Yeah, right? it's an exchange. And then they have stuff that I want. Sometimes it's information. Sometimes it's just local art or goods or music. You know, what I mean, or just I mean, or just opportunities. So um, that's that's been man that that experience has just been great shout out to next level um they're one of the organizations that i i've had the pleasure of doing this work with 
um you know this is us in um romania um i believe yeah we were in Timișoara. that's at a high school where we performed for um a couple hundred students um at the high school then uh at the end we asked questions uh, we talked to them about a, a, you know about our crafts but we also talked to them about bullying right and shared our experiences um about what bullying looked like to us growing up and learned a lot about them and and literally witnessed firsthand like some kids challenge the other kids because there was bullying that was taking place in the very room we were in and um man it was beautiful man it was really really it was a it was a powerful experience man um you know so in addition to romania you also went to the motherland for the very first time yeah 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 shout out to words beats and life um who i had another opportunity to do some cultural diplomacy work with mm -hmm. um and go to uh uganda um man uh, i'm trying to keep it together um both situations were extremely beautiful and just really really powerful but um but uganda man like set uh you know setting foot on the continent uh, of Africa, first and foremost, was just amazing in itself. And, um, you know, from flying over, looking out my window, just like, yo, like, yo, this is like where everything started. Like, really, where, like, the world started here. And, um, you know, and then stopping briefly in Ethiopia, even though we didn't get to really spend more than, like, a few short hours there, just being there, right, knowing that, like, the um the oldest remains on our planet uh were found there right like you know what i mean just oh my god it's just it was so many things about that experience that was just like it, it was really really crazy um and a lot of uh americans um when we go to africa a lot of times the first place that folks go or the first region people go is oftentimes um west africa which makes a lot of sense um um because when you know like the history uh, and how things went. Um, a lot of us who are African-American have West, um, mostly West African blood. But um, I will say there was something about starting in East Africa um, that like it wasn't as heavy as like so many of my friends when they come back from Africa and they, they go to Ghana, they see the slave castles and all of that. It was really like, hey, welcome home, family. All right, let's go. Like, and we, and I'm, and it's been that for a lot of the homies I talked to, but it was just really like, man, we hit the ground running. We got off the plane, finally got out the airport. Our luggage didn't show up for like another 36 hours, which was crazy. And like, we left straight from the thing. We didn't even check in our hotel till late that night because we went straight to work. We went to an embassy. There was a ton of artists uh, waiting for us um, to speak and joining the conversation and literally on the car car ride there it was just asking questions like yo so what's it like being a musician here being a full like the guy um shout out to babaluku full-time artist out there um community organizer been doing great work for years decades and like man just in the car like just right to it um yeah what's it like being a full-time artist here what are the challenges like, you know, talked a lot about their challenges with venues and not having consistent venues mm -hmm. because of ownership and and things like that. And so not being able to book uh, a lot of indie hip hop um, and, you know, and then um, also just talking about some of the infrastructure challenges and how that makes it difficult 
as an artist and how they consume their music. Are they streaming? What platforms are they using to stream? What physical media is a thing? So, yo, just learning that stuff. Like, they're streaming mostly on YouTube, right? And people are streaming from their TVs more so than devices a lot of times. And physical media, people are using USBs, right? Because you can plug those USBs into your smart TVs or to your TV uh, to play the music. Um, yeah, it was just crazy, right? So, like, so but going yeah, yeah. going back to um, you had mentioned before about the significance of um, landing in Uganda as your first introduction to the continent, yeah, and later discovering something about Uganda and your personal lineage. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to my wife. Um, y'all might know her. She's staying uh, sitting right next to me. Um, <laughs> but you know, we were talking about. Um, you know, the fact that I did my ancestry DNA um, a while back and um, and the missus was pointing out. She was like, yo, don't, I think you have, um, you know, ancestry in that region. And I couldn't remember. And sure enough, I logged in, man. And, and it said that um, it was a very small percentage. I think it was like one or two percent or something like that. Um, but I'm 75 percent African. But some of my ancestors um, I found out like yeah. and I hit my man as soon as I got back and I saw that and I confirmed it. I hit him up and was like, yo, just found out that I have Ugandan ancestry. And he was like, I told you we was family. <laughs> like, yo, he kept saying it. He was like every time he was like family, blah, blah, blah. And we would talk. Um, and so he was like, I told you, <laughs> I told you. And uh, man, it was just and yeah. um, and I got video footage of uh, um, this organization, this brother who ran this organization who runs an organization out there that works with kids where um, uh, we were shooting a music video and the clip that I have of him, he was like substantial welcome home, man. Mm. Ah, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was so yeah. it was, it was amazing. But it shows that also how everything happens for a reason, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Well, we're going to transition. Okay. Cause I know you're, you know, getting verklempt. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was beautiful, son. You know what I'm saying? It was a good time. <laughs> but um, just like we, what we've been doing all season long with uh -huh. our guests, um, I figured, you know, I, this would be no different. We're going to have some, we have some rapid fire questions. Mm, mm, okay, okay. Right, so I'm going to, I'm going to quiz you first. Mm -hmm. And then I know you, you can think about it. So, okay. you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So we have five questions for you. Mm -hmm. We, maybe I'm here. I. Um, I know you're a Marvel fan. Best believe it. You you watch the the po the pre the post <laughs> interviews and mm -hmm. all the recaps and everything. Um, having said that, mm -hmm. and having recently seen Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, mm -hmm. what which do which of the two do you like better? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse or Spider-Man No Way Home? Uh, Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse. It's not even close for me. Really? Yeah, yeah. And why I is mean, that? It's, listen, both both were good. Uh, mm -hmm. But after seeing No Way Home, um, I was like, man, this was it. Like, it was better than I thought it was going to be. And I had high expectations going in. Um, but when I came back and I just rewatched the first Spider-Verse movie, I was like, yeah, I still like the first Spider-Verse better than I like No Way Home. Wow, okay. Um, I've definitely, I own both, and I've, I've played Spider-Verse far more. Like, you know, my 
our youngest daughter. I'm saying my like this woman ain't give birth to her. I'm just um, but yeah, like listen, anytime she want to watch it, they just started watching it before we came in here, and I was a little sad that I couldn't watch it. Right. Um, so that being said, I love the first Spider Verse movie a ton, and when I walked out of seeing the second one, I was like. Yo, I don't know how they topped that movie, man, but... They did. They did, yo. Um, at least to me. Uh, I'm sure folks out there got different opinions. I uh, didn't ask. But to me, it's a superior film, and that's saying a lot, because the first one was amazing. Um, pun intended, because, uh, you know, Spider- Amazing okay. Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, so yeah, definitely Spider-Verse. Got it. Gang, gang. Okay, number two. So I know you're no longer, you know... A person that delves into um, meat products. Mm-hmm. So no swine, no chicken, no poultry, no fish. Well, you fish, yes. Um, but you've been out of the game for a minute. I've been out of my jersey in the rafters, you know what I'm saying? Right, you've been out of the game for a minute. But, you know, you still remember. I do remember. You still remember. And being a PG I'm not. Boy, I'm not one of those people that hate on folks for eating meat right. either. You know what I mean? If you out there doing, I remember. I remember. So right. like, I ain't like it was. So it was nasty. What I want you to do? Okay, bring it in. I'm sorry. What I want you to do is think back. <laughs> right. Out of the two, which mm-hmm. do you prefer? Chicken wings and mumbo sauce, because you know you're from the DMV. Okay. Or PG can pork chops with a swine. Mmm. Chicken wings and mumbo sauce. Chicken wings it's and mumbo. It's not even close. It's not even close. Yeah, young, younger me. I mean, I haven't had pork since I was 16. You know, I was eating chicken wings and mumbo. I literally, the one time, the one time I cheated on my no chicken diet, uh, like it was chicken wings and mumbo sauce. You know what I mean? No, I did it twice. One, it was because I was with Vic, Vic and his brother somewhere, and some chicken came out. Vic got weak, and he didn't want to go in alone. He's like, come on, son, just one wing. Just, you have a wing, I have a wing, and then we can act like this night never happened. I was like, yo, this is real weird, son. And we had it, and it was so weak. It was so weak. Um, but then we did the video. I remember. Go to Eddie's. Yeah, but, right. Hey, look, uh, man. I was about to say I raised the rights, and <laughs> no, um, no, nah, we uh, um, we were filming the video for for my favorite things. That's what we were doing. We was doing my favorite things, and at that point, I hadn't had uh, chicken in over a year. Right, like I, because a lot of times I don't ease my way out. I just, I just decide today I'm Cold not going to do it, and Cold I just turkey. when I gave up pork when I was 16, I have not touched pork since. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, we were filming that video. We ordered a ton. We did like 40 wings uh, with mambo sauce for that video, and there was no way I was not going to have some chicken wings and mambo sauce. It was so yeah, uh, I went in. So chicken wings and mambo sauce all the time. Okay. Now, you having traveled to well over, God knows how many islands and countries you've visited, but there's two countries in particular, um, both are islands, mm-hmm. that you bo- you visited before, um, but if you had to go on vacation today, mm-hmm. Japan or Jamaica? Jamaica. Oh. Um, yeah, 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 because Japan's work. Like whenever I go to Japan, it's never for I would like to go to Japan for vacation. Uh, but I know the likelihood is while I'm in Japan, I'm going to work. I'm going to work. Jamaica, like because I don't have the same resources, connections at my disposal, I can really just be a foreigner and just really be 
um, like off duty and just and just chop it up and mm-hmm. be stand, not substantial. So um, definitely Jamaica, and I feel like we're older a redo anyway because when we went to jamaica it rained every day (laughs) every day it rained when we went to jamaica except the day we left which (laughs) yo uh, me and god still beefing over that one you know what i'm saying like (laughs) what this what we doing this what we need to do over yeah it was like i mean you know i'm grateful for rain but come on this was yeah it's wild so yeah definitely jamaica okay um she disrespectful with this next one why she do that so Okay, as an MC's MC, right? Mm-hmm. You are on a road trip, and we've taken many oh, of road okay. trips. I got the context. Got it. Okay, we have we've taken many of road trips, and you know sometimes you're traveling late at night, or sometimes you're just tired. Who is your go-to? Who is it that is your go-to that will get you through mm-hmm. your trip, your voyage? Is it Redman? Or Mr. Buster Bus himself, Buster Rhymes. I mean, she already know the answer to this question. I am a hundred percent like I love both these dudes. I'm actually more of a Red Man fan than I am a Buster fan. Um, I love them both though. But for road trips, if if like who I'm playing first to get me through is definitely Buster. You know what I mean? Yeah, I it's agree. definitely Buster. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I saw when, when, let's see, I didn't, when she, she got it written down different. Like, it's just like Red Metal Buster Rhymes. I was like, wait a minute. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right? But when she put the context, she put it in. I was like, okay, okay, yeah. No, but, you know, it's funny. I mean, it, for both the road trip, but also, I mean, these two are both animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are very uh creative they uh-huh. are loud they're obnoxious i yeah. mean so buster buster's the superior live performer yes um but bar for bar it's red man uh for me you know what i mean buster got bars too but but red man's just more consistent like as but like buster loves to talk about you know i get up that stage and i bust ass you know what i'm saying <laughs> Red, every time he pick up that mic, he bust ass. Pause. For those who, who need a pause right now. Um, I don't really care. But, like, you know, Red is just more consistent on the mic in terms of, like, every time. Like, them lyrics, just like, like you know what I mean? Just, yo, since, like, the early 90s, fam. Like, every time. Where Bust, there's, Bust sometimes takes the night off on, like, the lyrical blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Um, and will just give you style like more style than he will like smack you in the face lyrics sometimes where red's like nah <laughs> nah I'm, yeah he he always on okay. one so yeah. the last one i have for you now because your your current project is adultish and we you've talked a lot about um aging gracefully and like mm-hmm. making aging cool because i think for a lot of us particularly in the black community where you know for some didn't even expect to see themselves at this age right right mm-hmm. um but you're seeing a lot of folks you know embracing the salt and pepper embracing growing a beard or growing their hair out or maybe shaving it all off two people that i think have done it um very well two celebrities and i want to know from you which mm. of the two do you think um who have gotten better with age mm. samuel l jackson mm. or lawrence fishburne oh that's uh uh, Mr. Jackson, Mr. Jackson, I'm gonna go with Samuel L. Jackson. And why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that 
somehow, and I mean, listen, man, this is just my opinion, but Samuel L. Jackson has a bit more of a cool factor, I think, to me, than Lawrence Fishburne, right? I feel like when I watch old stuff with Samuel L. Jackson, I feel like he's progressively gotten cooler as he's gotten older. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, uh, you know, when you look at something like Pulp Fiction and stuff and the speeches, the Jerry Curl, all of that stuff, man. Like, I mean, it's it's an iconic role. But like this dude has just hit us with so many iconic roles since then. And he's like, you know, he's played old he's played younger he's done these different things um and when you see him in interviews man he's just i feel like i'm watching him and it has me looking forward to getting uh, to growing older you know what i mean like even like his style like how he presents himself and different things not just so much the roles like i watch a lot of interviews with him and same thing with um lawrence fishburne and you know um, even from the physical stuff, right? Like how he's kind of maintain a certain weight. A lot of times as we grow older, it's harder to keep the weight off. You, you slow down a bit. All of these different things happen. And I feel like he's a great example of someone who's figured out how to age a lot slower. You know what I mean? And um, where Lawrence Fishburne, when you look at him when he was younger, like movies that came out around the same time versus what he looks like, now, um, just physical appearance. And this is no disrespect. Um, I mean, it's it's obvious when you see it. Like you can see, like you you see the weight, you see the, you know what I mean. Um, and so these are things that all of us, as we grow older, gotta be more conscious of and stuff like that. I ain't saying this, brothers. I ain't saying anything wrong with his health, but I do know that it's harder to do things in general when you are getting older. But you throw weight into the mix and all of this other stuff. It's even more challenging, right? And so, so yeah. So between those two, it would be Samuel L. Jackson for me. But I love, but I love both these dudes, man. Um, shout out to Lawrence Fishburne too for for making, uh, um, you know, helping to make the uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur uh, show happen too with Disney, which is fire, by the way. If um, for all my parents out there um, looking for some like Marvel content to watch with your young one, great show. Raphael Sadiq does the music as uh, the music director on the show and has a ton of dope producers along with himself contributing. Well worth checking out. Anyway. <laughs> did they pay you for that? <laughs> they didn't. They do mean. All right. So. Oh, that, that is true. Uh, Urban man is like, uh, to be fair, Samuel uh, kind of started his career as an old man. Yes, he did. Old-ish. Yeah, ish. Old-ish. Right? Because we say old man, but 30 ain't old. He was, yeah, he was in his late 30s. Yeah, he was in, I mean, so like late 30s. But you know, in the 80s, folks looked old. Yeah, late, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I mean, because. I mean, because he kind of looked, in in coming to America, he looked like he was 60. Yo, and it's (laughs) wild, man. I I used to date, I used to date this girl who you said about, yeah, you know. Uh, she didn't stop playing. I used to date this girl who, like, one of the most disrespectful things she said, and this was definitely some colorism shit, like, now that I think back. Uh, she she was light-skinned, too. And she was like, uh, she was like, I don't know. Every time I see him in the movie, he just looked dirty. Mm. It's like, damn. <laughs> Yo. And it's like, I mean, it don't help when you just watch A Time to Kill. It's like, all right, touche, touche. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, damn, he always looked dirty. And I see him in certain joints. He in a suit and tie or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, mm, I think I think that's the, the light-skinned side of you. Just like, no matter what he do, he's just going to always feel a little. 
it's just yeah but it's crazy know, how people perceive this too about um samuel l is more like a chameleon like he mm-hmm. is you know he he's a method actor i mean he's not the same with him even more Facts. so than denzel washington right like with denzel because he's so he's so larger than life and even a little bit to a certain extent, even Lawrence Fishburne. Like, you see, I see Denzel before I see the character. Mm-hmm. With Samuel L., with the hair, with the wigs, the various wigs, with the prosthetics, with the, the, the mannerisms, like, mm-hmm. he becomes, he, he's able to sell it. He becomes the character. Yeah. You know, and then when you see him with these, the you know, Capital One commercials, you're like, oh, okay, he got swag. You oh, know? yeah, so man. It's like, uh, he's able to do that. Well, uh, with a lot of actors, you don't really see that. Right, right. So, but yeah. yeah. But salute to them both, man. Oh, like, absolutely. Uh, both amazing um, actors and amazing contributions yeah and for some i mean if you're from a certain generation you watched Lawrence richburn grow up because Mm -hmm. i mean from what was the um movie in the 70s about the vietnam war oh you're talking about uh i know which joint you talk about but i was even thinking about the other joint uh cornbread and neuro um because wasn't he in that i think so yeah he's been around yeah he's been around yeah so so yeah because that's what somebody was saying like uh you know he's like he we've been watching him since he was a teenager pretty much apocalypse now yeah Mm -hmm. they did him dirty (laughs) yeah yes yeah Hundred percent, I agree with that. They're different degrees of cool. Absolutely, yeah. When I listen to, hey man, look, if I got to sound like either one of these brothers, I'm going. Sam, I'm, I'm not going Samuel Jackson. I'm I'm going Fishburn. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Because I listen to him in his interviews. I'm like, damn, this brother read anything right now. Sound great. I'm surprised he doesn't do more voice work actually, um, considering how, how great a voice he has. But anyway, um, I got a question for you. Yes. Um. So. This is tough, man, because I know <laughs> no matter who I put against this woman, it's going to be this woman. But like, you know, so so my lightning rounds just I'm going to just see who what women I can throw out there to try to top this one woman. <laughs> and until we get somebody who kind of gets her thinking that maybe, eh, you know, so Oprah Winfrey. Oh, God. See what I'm saying? See, see here. Right. I, there's a running joke here where it's like. I will tell Shell something years ago, and then Shell's like, mm, "I don't know, Stan." And then Oprah Winfrey say it, or have a guest that says it, and Oprah goes, "Hmm." Mm. And then Shell come back to me, say the same thing I told her like two years ago, but Oprah say it, and it's gospel. You know what I'm saying? But it's okay. I know my place. I can't be Oprah. So anyway, we're gonna start. We're gonna go down the line. So if uh, if you had to choose. Um, and it could be for whatever, who to meet, who you could have dinner with, conversation with, you know what I mean, a quick Zoom, whatever. Okay. Oprah Winfrey, mm-hmm. uh, Winfrey, sorry, Oprah Winfrey, Barbara Walters. Oh, God. Okay, I started off good because I was worried because Oprah's like, you know, Oprah's like Jesus' cousin or something. You know what I'm saying? Oprah's up there, <laughs> you know? You know, jeez. I would say, and you know, God rest the dead. I would say Barbara Walters because Barbara Walters, literally, if not for her, you know, she was the sensei for Oprah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she's the sensei for a lot of female journalists. 100%. So, um, 
Yeah, I would say Barbara Walters. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm proud of me because I had some <laughs> other ones. I had some other ones because the first my first one was gonna be like Oprah or um, Ava DuVernay, oh, right? Geez. Um, and I knew that would kind of get her doing with oh, the, I, was, I knew that would but, you know, just you, because so, Ava. Like I feel like she would want. Go ahead. I'll let no, you go explain. Ahead, go ahead. Finish. No, I was just gonna say I feel like for different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know I know what Oprah means to you. Um, but I also know that your love of film, like where your journey that you're currently on and the work that Ava DuVernay is doing. I mean, we just watched um, the final the, season, the of, final Queen season of Queen Sugar. We just finally caught up and watched that, which is a great show, by the way. Shout out to that show, man, um, for doing a great job at depicting the different types of black men in our world. I feel like there's amazing black women on that show, of course. But what I really do love about Queen Sugar is just the variety of black men. Like, we got the flawed ones, 100%. But then you see flawed ones who redeem themselves. Um, you, you, see, you see them, and it's like they're dope at different ages. Like, a little boy who's not trying to overdo the masculinity thing is maybe softer, uh, softer than most men are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But he's brilliant, you know what I mean? Um, another person, another one who's in college, who's struggling with identity and being his authentic self, wants to have real impact in the world, but still making poor decisions. But is mostly a good kid. Just, and it's yo, actually both sides because the women, I mean, the women get same, messy too. Yeah, you know? yeah. Everybody on the show has a little bit of mess, which is the which is the real world. But I, I highly recommend, like, uh, for those of y'all who don't mind a, a drama that maybe a, uh, you know. I would like for me, it's fine. But I, I think some dudes would see a preview of that and be like, "Oh, that's for the ladies." Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially um, um, this last season, so it's available on Hulu. Yeah, it's it's super dope. It's super dope. But yeah, but anyway, go ahead. Um, no, I mean with Ava, yes, I would love, I would love to meet, I would love to meet Oprah. Are you kidding? I would love mm -hmm. to meet Ava, mm -hmm. um, because I love her work, like what she was able to do with the Central Park Five. Um, to this day, I can only I've, I've only seen it once, and I mm -hmm. would only see it one time. That I, I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. She it was so powerful. Um, you know, she has she has a style, she has a grace, she has a way of including. You know, she's built a platform. What we talked about with Queen Sugar, where she literally all of the directors mm -hmm. have been women. This yeah. has been a seven season run. Um, show and every episode has been directed by a woman. So mm -hmm. shout out to her. And it's not not only been black women; it's been women. Period. So, right. You know, definitely shout out to her and her team. Um, there, I, there's so many strong women though that I would love to meet. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. there there are. You know, t I'm I'm a fan of Tabitha Brown. Yeah, like Tabitha. love her. Discovered her, of course, like so many of mm -hmm. of us out here during the pandemic, and just right. to see her growth and development. Like literally, the, seven years ago, she was, you know, just a struggling actor, mm -hmm. and seven years later, she is a multi millionaire, hyphenate, doing mm -hmm. all the things. Yeah. So um, shout dope. out to her mm -hmm. um, and her positive energy. But yeah, there's just some great, great people. I mean, did, do you have another question for me? Um, this, I'm gonna just end it here because we're we're this is the longest show of the season right yeah. now, yeah. and it's because it's us because this is what we this is when the babies go to sleep we just run we either watching something or we running our mouth about something one of us is venting about something the other one's just like no nah, I let you finish go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying that's that's the that's the we need to put that on a, a shirt for both of us now nah, I let you finish um, <laughs> but 
the next one I was going to ask is a guest uh, is a question that we pose the guests all the time, and I think this is a great uh, thing to end on. If uh, you could only do one of the many disciplines that um, you've picked up over the years and developed, uh, which one would it be? Oh wow! And so, for those of you joining us late, Shell um, Shell is a she's a visual artist, um, fashion designer illustrator she also writes she's now directing film um she's doing she's doing a lot you know and she's an arts administrator and all of that and and uh breaking news she's actually going back to school get her master's degree this woman my wife dope man you know what i'm saying so we clap it up for sure but we putting her on the spot um if you could only do one for the rest of your life and you had to put the other ones down which one would it be at this point in your life at least no pressure this this is what she does to guess all the time i do do, but i never think it's coming back i mean that's why we Mm -hmm. did this show yeah um it's hard it's it's that's the very difficult question to me because in my mind in my mind right i my first love was drawing Mm -hmm. and i feel like I could do it all the time, but I haven't. And so, um, but I, I realized in my growth is storytelling and filmmaking. And mm-hmm. so I think um, with filmmaking, it is a different medium, right? Um, yeah, it's so hard. It's really difficult. <laughs> But I I love this I love the process of bringing some having seeing something creating something on paper from from writing the words to or even just capturing images and s- telling a story through that and seeing how other people um, interpret it differently. Mm-hmm. So I would say filmmaking. Mm. Jesus. Yeah, I I kind of felt that, but you know. Aww. Yeah. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you very much. Yeah. So on wow. that, yeah. So on that note, let's uh, we, we're gonna wrap things up because we, if we don't stop ourselves now, we would be here because we we're home, we're right. home. <laughs> so and this one, let me tell you, if I let him, yeah, he would. It would be midnight and we'd still be here. And see, uh, people, you people, how she just throw me under the bus. I do want to point out though that if we ran this back and counted how long each of us talked, it'd probably be closer than she thinks. For the record. She she does it, but y'all, but she's not the one watching the clock. See, y'all was sitting here, y'all was sitting here. You mm-hmm. watched. Mm-hmm. Who was talking? Mm-hmm. Who was talking? I'm just saying, just saying. Go back to those first two episodes. Look at the length of the episode when I interview her, and then realize that my episode is the second shortest of the season. Who saw that coming? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. First of all, that was four years ago. Okay, four, four years, years ago. ago. Her episode was like twenty, almost thirty minutes longer than mine. Just okay. saying. All right. Observations. See, All right. she loved it. Everybody wants to throw me under the bus. These folks had to go to sleep. They do. So, they do. Some of them note. on the West Coast, though. They be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to get out of here, man. Thank y'all so much. Um, it's it's definitely been a lot of fun. 
just a quick reminder before we get out of here you can go ahead and pre-order artistry i mean artistry <laughs> pre-order adultish right now you can stream artistry you can stream for free, artistry yes but you can pre-order my new album adultish which drops um in less than two weeks on uh Bandcamp first and then it's on all platforms after that it's also available on vinyl uh compact disc and usb cassette uh yeah man super dope lots of dope merch still available now we're gonna play the outro to the show and um also hit you with an ad on the way out that we started the show with um so man thank y'all so much we hope you had as much fun as we did tonight we appreciate y'all y'all have a great night all right peace 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 Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. Season 4 of Artistry is powered by Words, Beats, and Life. Visit www.wblint.org to learn more. This podcast is produced by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartandmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart and Music. Peace.